Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network.
Well, good morning from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt. That was If This Ain't My Rodeo by our friends, Surrender Hill. And in Albuquerque, New Mexico, we're joined by our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. Delighted to be back with you this week. Well, I hope that this week works out better than last week did. We had... <laughs> We had such technical problems all week last week that it was just unbelievable. So, uh, but anyway, we're looking forward to to a trouble-free show and a very fun show today with our very special guest that will be joining us. But how are things out in New Mexico today? How's your weather? Well, we have another beautiful, uh, bright, sparkly uh, blue sky day, temperatures in the 30s. Um, we don't have the wind we had earlier this week, but we missed here in Albuquerque all the storms that they were teasing us about on the weather every night. Um, mo- a lot of the state got hit with one <clears throat> one type of snowstorm, winter storm after the next, but here in Albuquerque, we just they just all went right by us. Oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. Well, it was 70 to 70 degrees a couple of days ago here in Nashville, and this morning we woke up with snow on the ground, and we're in the 30s. <laughs> but uh, two days from now, it'll be back in the 60s again, and so, you know, that's just the way it goes back yep. here. That's just the way it goes back here. But anyway, it's, you know, the the year is going by so quickly already. Can you believe it's almost mm-hmm. February? I yeah I can't believe it I it does it's gone I already sort of don't remember December very well but that may just be aging. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I noticed two more gray hairs among the many thousands, you know. But uh, yeah, time is flying by. Well, listen, we have a great guest to start things out for us today on the Campfire Cafe. It's been a while since this gentleman's been with us, but who is our guest today for the Campfire Cafe? Oh, I'm delighted that we have coming back Sid Masters, one of New Mexico's, actually one of the stellar singer-songwriters throughout the Western music genre, but luckily we get to call him, you know, neighbor. He's right here in New Mexico. Well, we're looking forward to visiting with uh, Sid, and and actually, I got to meet Sid for the very first time back in November in Albuquerque. So mm-hmm. we're going to have okay. a great time visiting with him. And then in the second hour of the show on Saddle Up America, we have the new executive director of the Mustang Heritage Foundation joining us, and that's Miss Karen Gustin. So we're going to be visiting with her and uh, and talking about things that are happening with the Mustang Heritage Foundation, both now and, and, and in the future. It's going to be a fun, fun show. One of the songs that Sid does, I think, would have to be a signature song. I know at least twice a week <laughs> I sing this song while I'm frying bacon. And uh, it's it's just a great song. If our audience has not heard this, they're going to absolutely love it. But it's one called Frying Bacon in the Nude. And after we listen to that, we're going to come back and talk with Sid Masters today on the Campfire Cafe. Frying bacon in the nude. That is what I like to do. Because it reminds me of you. Frying bacon in the nude. 
Fishing in a lightning storm Waving metal in the air Standing in a pool of water You surround me everywhere I remember when we walked Hand in hand together We made quite a match Just like scissors and leather It is what I'm thinking of When I dream about our love How it reminds me of you Frying bacon in the nude Frying bacon in the news That is what I like to do Cause it reminds me of you Frying bacon in the nude I remember when we walked Hand in hand together We made quite a match Just like scissors and leather Oh, it is what I'm thinking of When I dream about our love How it reminds me of you Frying bacon in the Winning Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard, yes, one of my personal favorites, Frying Bacon in the Nude from the album The Cowboy Sings, written and performed by guest Sid Masters. Sid Masters is an American singer and songwriter of traditional Western music and humorous music as well. Born and raised in the woods and water country of rural Wisconsin, he now makes his home for many years in the Rocky Mountains of northern New Mexico. He is the author and recording artist of the official state cowboy song of New Mexico and was recognized by the Academy of Western Artists as Male Vocalist of the Year twice. His latest CD, Sunset on the Rio Grande Revisited, won the 2019 Wrangler Award from the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for Outstanding Traditional Western Music CD. Acoustic Guitar Magazine has this to say about Sid Masters, behind the accomplished vocals, songwriting, humor, and quick wit is a sneaky good guitar player with an unspoiled style all his own. Please welcome back to Campfire Cafe, a multi-talented performer whose favorite hobbies include fishing high country streams, card games, camping in remote locations, and learning old new songs. Please welcome Sid Masters. Welcome, Sid. Well, howdy there, neighbor. Howdy. (laughs) (laughs) Howdy. Hey, Sid Masters. 
we dedicated that first song to Jim Jones, who I'm sure is listening sometime to this show today. <laughs> Jim uh, has a special affection for that song, um, whether it's personal experience or just a fondness for the lyrics. I, I have not yet been able to decide, but he <laughs> he's, it holds a special place in his heart. Oh, gosh. Well, I, you know, I, I do. I sing it at least twice a week when I'm frying bacon. I just can't help it. It just comes back and pops in your head. And I'm sure our audience out there will probably be doing the same thing now that they've heard that song. So, anyway, good to have <laughs> you with us. Yes, great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to share part of the day with you guys and talk about some stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I was I was just going through some things this morning, and they have just uh, made an announcement of some of the people that are winners at the Western Heritage Awards in Oklahoma City coming up in April, and um, that's that's a pretty big deal, my friend. Yeah, that's that's a uh, uh, as far as awards go in our industry, that's kind of like uh, that's like the Oscar. That's that's the the number one thing to be recognized. The organization that says, "Hey, these guys are doing this, this guy is doing that," and it's it's the West, it's cowboy, it's uh, we recognize it as traditional music. In my case, they they recognize all kinds of Western artistry, uh, but uh, it is really the number one um, uh, accolade that one can receive, and I I'm always uh, uh, humbled by that one. That's for sure. That is that is super super super, and we are going to be featuring a lot of the music today from Sunset on the Rio Grande Revisited, and that is again the 2019 Wrangler Award winner. But uh, you know, you're just you're just a super talented guy. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in music to begin with. You know, we've got an audience that probably is not as familiar uh, as they could be with you because. Well, we just have a whole bunch of people that are listening. But tell we do. You have people started. who listen from you know, people listen to your show from all around the world, uh, especially our country. And uh, because I'm been very fortunate over many many years to stay pretty much in the Southwest and work all I want, uh, I don't always travel as much, and uh, that's one way you reach people. So you're right; they might not be familiar with with my music as much because I haven't been touring and in their area but i started playing music ever since i was a little little kid i'm uh, uh the youngest of four kids and my parents and my three older sisters were all musicians and we played uh, a lot of music around our cabin in wisconsin and we uh also uh listened to a huge variety of music of of all kinds of different stuff um you were talking i mean I, I was born in the the mid uh the 60s so we're we're talking about there wasn't a lot of other things available to entertain a family like there is now with internet and so many tv stations and things like right. that so music right. as many of us from that era music was you know there's a piano in a house you know a couple of people always played the piano uh there were guitars in the house uh, i also played horns like saxophone and clarinet and things like that and that's what that's what you did, especially in a winter climate where you're inside a lot. And that was my introduction to music. And because of my, all my sisters are older than me, they played all kinds of different music uh, that I got to listen to. Uh, my father was into a big band and uh, Western swing, 
well, my sisters listen to everything from country to, you know, uh, the Beatles to uh, pop rock music at the time. And so I have so many influences. And they all carried with me as as I grew up. I started playing professionally as a, a teenager. I was still in high school, and I would play in nightclubs. I remember somebody in the band had to have uh, a piece of paper saying they were my legal guardian so I could be in the nightclub. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, he was like 17 years old, 16, 17 years old, playing in the nightclub. Yeah. They're like, what's this kid? And they're like, well, one of us will be his guardian. And I learned from all those people. <laughs> Uh, then I moved to Albuquerque uh, while I was still young, and Albuquerque, for some reason, was one of the hotbeds of club entertainment in all of the United States of America in the mid to late 1980s. Really? Wow. Yes, wow. I still can't explain it to this day, but there was 25, 30 nightclubs that were packed every single night of the week with lines out the door. And so I played with some great musicians a lot of them went on to be famous playing in in other people's bands uh um famous for themselves uh recording contracts and things like that people would come through on tour the famous people they'd come through on tour and go to the nightclubs and just grab people out of bands and take them with them on, on the road because there was so much talent wow so my growing up from a little kid into those those teen years and in their early 20s was very fortunate to have been exposed to so much different music by so many talented people, and I get to benefit from all of that, from all of those good people ever since. Wow! So when you were when you were 17 years old and, and playing in the clubs, what kind of music were you doing then? I was playing in variety bands. Uh, you know, I would usually sing most of the country stuff. Uh, bands okay. that would play top 40, whatever it was, whether it was top 40 pop, top 40 country. You know, what was being played on the radio, because that's how you would work. That's how the band would work. Right. And uh, so I would get that, or I'd get the stuff that people sang really high. Um, I have a big vocal range. I don't use it like I used to, because it's more taxing on my voice um, as I get older. Um, but uh, so that that was usually, and I played a lot of bass, because all the guitar players were so good. I wasn't a good enough guitar player yet. Mm. So... But they all wanted to hire me because I could sing. They're like, oh, man, if you only played, you know, because you could sing. I was like, that's it. So I went and bought a bass, and I played, practiced bass for like two straight months, and I went out and got the first gig I auditioned for, and then and then switched to guitar more later. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of music was I played. But I was always into songwriting, and it was hard to find people back then who wanted to write because we were all making a living just goofing Doing off. Covers. In, in mm-hmm. covers, you know? It was so busy, and we played every single night. We we literally would go to our booking agent and say, we want two weeks off this year. And wow. that's all we'd get. And we'd play six nights a week. So oh, everybody's wow. like having such a good time. They're like, no, we got to write. Man, who, there's only... You know, there's only so many good covers of Country Roads. No one cares. We have to have our own songs. And so that part of it was always a challenge for me. Uh, so later on in my career, when it became my own thing, I, that's when I really focused on songwriting more. All right, all right. Well, there are a, a lot of covers, uh, uh, songs that are on this Sunset on the Rio Grande Revisited. And uh, let's take a listen to some of that music right now, but we want to get to one called Swing, and that's Cowboy Dance and come back and talk more with Sid Masters today on the Campfire Cafe. Every Saturday night he rides it from out in the sticks. 
He ain't got a job a time ago, he's always in a fix. But when he steps out on the planks, the folks all give a glance. He's a real tough hand with a gallon hand, swinging at the cowboy dance. The dust upon his boots, it seldom gets brushed off. Till he shows up for the hold-down speed they go along. Well, the do-si-do, we sure do know as the partners wait their chance. He's a real top hand with a gallon hand, swinging at the cowboy dance. Talk about the business end of it, and 
And so he had a lot of good stuff for me there. Don Edwards, uh, I just saw him. We saw each other so much of uh, music festivals, and we'd go out to eat um, and uh, afterwards and talk, and we would just talk. I, I have a, an affection for the old historical cowboy songs, and we shared that, mm-hmm. as you can see on the Sunset on the Rio Grande Revisited CD. We did a bunch of bonus tracks of, of old uh, trail songs and stuff, mm-hmm. and so we – had mm-hmm. so much in common. We talked on the phone so much over the years. And then with Ian, uh, that was different. I did some, some concerts with Ian. Those were more uh, theater concerts. And uh, he was just, uh, well, he's a character of a guy for anybody who knew him. He was a very opinionated, uh, very strong in what he believed in, how he thought <laughs> things should be done. And uh, everybody had good advice. And so, yeah, losing all those guys in a handful of months is it's kind of hard. You know, mm-hmm. uh, everybody gives so much. You mentioned Jack. I mean, did you mean Jack Hanna? I did Jack mean Hanna. Jack Hanna. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know Jack uh, like I knew those guys. You know, obviously yeah. we saw each other a lot, especially in California festivals and things like that. But I didn't really, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't hang out with him, you know, like um, mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. Me and like Don Edward hung out for a couple of days in Las Vegas one time, you know, doing stuff. Oh, and so uh, that 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 didn't happen. Jack's music certainly had an influence on me. I, I'm very into harmonies and stuff, so you can learn a lot from listening to all the wonderful harmonies that the Sons of the mm-hmm. San Joaquin uh, put together on their recordings. Mm-hmm, but those mm-hmm. people will be missed. They represent uh, kind of an era of the cowboy music that is has been slowly fading. Uh, we don't have the number of cowboy gatherings, nor do I think we have the the energy at the cowboy gatherings that we used to once have, say, maybe between mm-hmm. 1995 and 2010. Uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of faded a little bit as people age and as the fandom changes and things like that. And so uh, they did. They represented a lot for me, but they also represented a lot for the entertainment of, of Western-style entertainment music and, and such. Uh, that's, that's that's changing through time, and you know we'll see what it becomes. It could end up better, who knows? But it is changing. Yeah, yeah. one of the um, songs that I think Gary has <clears throat> probably queued up to play next is a uh, one of those uh, wonderful classics. And um, uh, having been a fan of Gene Autry, it's of course one of the ones that I first learned sort of the back history too, and that's "Riding Down the Canyon." Uh, sure. Do you want to share anything about this song before we play it? Well, Riding Down the Canyon is one of our uh, five bonus tracks that we put on. Uh, when the whole thing was done and mixed, I was like, well, we need some more music on here. So uh, <laughs> Uncle Bob and Gary Roller, uh, they play, uh, Bob plays guitar and mandolin, and, and Gary uh, plays bass, and they, they sing. They're wonderful harmony singers. They've been my band for years. We went into the recording studio to do five bonus tracks, and we, we recorded five songs just live in the studio, like you used to do in the old days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sat down. Mm-hmm. We were isolated a little bit for microphone control, uh, but uh, I just sang the songs and we played the songs and we kept what we did. We did two takes and we kept the one we liked the best. And uh, I listened to those and I and we've played together for so long. You can do that. Not everybody can can do that. It's hard to do in a studio because studios reveal everything. But I listened to them and I really liked how those songs turned out. It just sounds like my band sounds like the trio and uh so if there's something to share with you that's that's what i like the 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 this song riding down the canyon was one of my uh favorites growing up uh, a lot of people uh, uh sang it you know and and uh, of course yeah it was originally made famous by uh 
uh, Gene Autry, he and Smiley Burnett wrote that song. And uh, it just was, it had, had to be one of those bonus tracks as far as I was concerned to capture the, uh, the, the mood that I wanted. So. There we go. Riding down the canyon, Sid Masters. Riding down the canyon, Sid Masters and the Swing Riders. 
And, uh, you know, as I was going through and selecting songs for the show today, I just love going back and picking up some of these old classics that that you had done, Sid. Terrific music. Thank you. Thank you. I love those yeah, songs. Yeah. Um, they're a big piece of, piece of uh, you know, uh, Western Americana, part of the history. Uh, we got to keep them alive. We've got to learn them. We've got to teach them. We've got to record them. These digital recordings we make now, they're around forever and ever, so... Those are great songs. They are great songs. But, you know, as you were talking with Bobby before we played that song and and, uh, and making the comments just now, where do you see the Western music world going moving forward? Because uh, you mentioned that audiences were aging out a little bit. Uh, The gatherings were not quite as many as they had been. Where, Where do you see... Western music going? Is it going to transform a little bit like the country music has, or where do you see it heading? Well, I think it'll always hold an identity separate from country music because that's its its roots are in that. Its roots are in ranch life and the, the families that uh, live and work those ranches and the, the, the cowboys that are involved. And there'll always be a place. I mean, there'll always be a place for that. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, I think the separation will always exist between that and country. Besides, country has kind of changed itself so much that it's more like pop rock. And so that kind of guarantees that separation as well. Uh, Western music is more acoustic instrument driven. Uh, It's more lyric driven uh, and harmony driven uh, than opposed to beat driven which is kind of what the country music has become. I actually got together with some country music songwriters, and they didn't bring a guitar. They bring a <gasps> uh, laptop w- with beats on it, and they start with a beat oh, and then write a song. I was like, this is really getting weird, guys. <laughs> but, uh, so I think Western music will always separate itself because of that, uh, because there is a, a, a genuineness to its roots that will leave it uh, in a good place. Now, the... The places to play and the venues are are, are kind of changing, um, but but that's kind of up to the artists to have an impact on that uh, as well. You know, there aren't as many cowboy gatherings or Western music festivals, uh, so it's going to be kind of up to the younger set of people, uh, the, the kids in their 20s. You know, we watched them as they were teenagers, and now they're in their 20s, and they're great musicians. There's a bunch of them, and they'll have to kind of create their own uh, environments for this for this music because as you know every music festival every cowboy gathering every event like that has one or two people behind it that are the driving force and if they retire or if they age or if they pass away or anything like that that's the end of that event there wasn't anybody to take it over so uh, sometimes there is but you know what you know what i'm saying Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so I think the younger players, it's a lot of it's going to be up to them to kind of help develop uh, and keep that going. And I don't I don't know if, it, if that'll happen or not. You know, I know when I first started my cowboy trio, there really wasn't very many places around here to play. Uh, and we we played clubs because that's when I knew. I took my yeah. cowboy band into nightclubs, and we I remember opening for the Mavericks, and it worked. It was great, yeah. you know. But it was like you know yeah. we were playing. Yeah. We went into country bars, and they said, where's your drummer? How are we going to dance? I go, just wait till we start playing. And uh, <laughs> three, 300 people are dancing in a nightclub, you know? So it, and, and so we kind of – and Albuquerque really built after that. I don't live in Albuquerque. I'm about 40 miles from there, but that's where we would play a lot. 
And that had a lot to do with the whole Western music following that goes on around here. And then, then there was a couple other bands showed up. Uh, I remember the Buckarets shortly after us, which mm-hmm. after us, which mm-hmm. was like an all-female uh, uh, cowgirl band, and they were great. And they did the same mm-hmm. thing. They went and played these venues. And so, I think that's what it's going to take nationwide. I think there's some good places uh, in California and Texas. A lot of good young musicians in Texas. Uh, that they can maybe be the driving force behind that. But I think they're going to find that they have to create some of their own uh, environments if they want to play as much music to traditional Western crowds as they would like to. I think I think probably a little bit due to the influence of Yellowstone in 1883. And, and uh, Bobby, I've started watching 1923. I've gone yeah. back and I've been through all of, I think I've been through half of or all of season one on 1923 but i think that's having a big influence on the music world uh, in general the country music world in particular because i'm hearing a lot of uh, country artists that are coming out with kind of western type songs today you know which is kind of exciting to hear yeah kind of yeah i agree there's definitely a resurgence from that it's kind of like the um urban cowboy effect yeah yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, well, cowboy stuff's kind of cool again. Uh, I mean, that's an that's outrageous right. show. We all love it, but it's but it's definitely cowboy, and so that's that's uh, that's that's helping. And I I agree. And that's that's one of those things. Now that's done by Costner, and he's not a young person, but there's a lot of young people in that show. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, so right. we can we can start to appeal to that, and you have to keep developing new markets. Um, you know, depending on where you are. Like if you're in Branson, Missouri, okay, well, they grow new old people every day, so you don't have to make a new market. But everywhere else, <laughs> you know, everywhere else you have to keep developing your markets. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. So I'll have to remember that for my friends that are playing Branson right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, well, I better get to another song. This is, this is. Uh, I'm going to kind of skip to another song. I love this. I, you just don't hear this that often. And that's Jingle, Jangle, Jingle. How did you decide to put this on the album? Is this one of the bonus tracks? No, no, this wasn't one of the bonus tracks. Uh, this is a song I've been doing for years. Um, this was one of the uh, – so Sunset on the Rio Grande was my first CD, and it got discontinued, okay. and so we wanted to redo of some of the music that was on it because we liked a bunch of the songs I wrote, and so we were looking at it, and I was like, I really like this track. I want to redo this track. It's a fun singing track. It's just a fun song. It's a, it's, it's got that free spirit of the cowboy song, those old cowboy songs. This is a silver screen uh, cowboy song. It's not yeah. an old you know, trail yeah. song. But it had that it has that feel, you know. It has that feel. I'm a free spirited cowboy. I'm out riding, you know. And it, that could be true in 1880, or it could be true in 1954, where the singing cowboy was wearing nylon stirrup pants and riding along in flashy shirts. <laughs> it, it, it was true through all of those years, you know. And uh, this song is just one of the great epitomes of it. So yeah, I, I've been playing this for years, and I love this song, Tex Ritter. I love it too. I love it too. Jingle, jangle, jingle. We'll be back. Yippee, there'll be no wedding bells for today. I got spurs that jingle, jangle, jingle as I go riding merrily along. 
because of its tone is really good. Like if you have a full band, it, it has it's got a really good backing tone uh, for that. But mine is a real old one, and it was uh, I inherited it, uh, so I kind of lucked into just getting one of those better ones. Um, wasn't wasn't my choice. Why I I like it so much is because the old cowboy songs were all played on gut string guitars. Uh, steel string guitars weren't invented until around the year 1900. So when we think of all of those post-Civil War era Western songs, those guys were sitting around campfires and writing those songs and playing them on gut string guitars. And the modern day equivalent to that, of course, is is nylon, um, <clears throat> because you don't have to kill a cat to make guitar strings. <laughs> you can now you can now use nylon. So we've come we've come a long way with that. So I like it because of the traditionalness of it. And my band plays a lot of Western swing, and I still like to play it on that guitar. I do a lot of different strumming techniques. Um, and uh, we've searched, me and my band guys, we watch videos, we see stuff, and we really don't find very many people throughout history that play guitar the way I do. Um, if you played a regular guitar the way I do, when I, you, your finger, the back of your finger would bleed because I use the back of my index finger to um, do a lot oh, of wow. chunks. And so when you had that quote from, uh, I think it was Acoustic Guitar or Guitar Magazine, um, Mm -hmm. they liked my style, and that's probably it. They referred to it as unspoiled style because it's just like, I just picked up a guitar and started playing it that way. I don't ever use a guitar pick. Uh, I can. I just don't like anything between my hands and the strings. Uh, Even when I play electric guitar, if I sit in with people and stuff, I usually don't use a pick. I I just prefer it that way. So that's an old guitar. It's got the right sound. It's got the right look. Uh, it's as much a part of my music as I am by now. I've been playing that thing for decades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I named it Roy after my grandpa Roy. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> Are you going to be playing anywhere in the Albuquerque area coming up? Let's see. And <clears throat> probably not. Um, I'm playing on the 6th of February in Santa Fe at the at the Roundhouse. Uh, oh. Where they do all the voting, oh. and the, it's in the it's in the yeah. legislature. For those of you who don't know who that is, it's Congress for New Mexico. Yeah, uh, it's uh, they're celebrating um, uh, some event where they're celebrating tourism, Tourist Day, or something in, the, in New Mexico. And since I wrote oh. one of the official state songs, uh, they're bringing us in to play a few songs. Uh, uh, it's probably a short uh, thing, but it'll be you know mm-hmm. a lot of publicity and things like that. I have that coming up. Um, we used to always play every April at the Cowboy Ball. The Cowboy Ball yeah. uh, got killed by COVID. So many different things mm-hmm. got, got destroyed by COVID. And now, the, as we mentioned, the driving force between, but behind yeah. that event is no longer with us. So we don't know if we're going to have those or anymore or not. So nothing really mm-hmm. coming up in Albuquerque. Uh, I don't play as much in the winter as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You descri- I heard you describing the weather of, uh, for those who don't live here, our, our weather in New Mexico isn't isn't decided by left and right or north and south. It's by up and down in elevation. And while I'm only right. 40 minutes from Albuquerque, we have we have like six eight inches of snow on the ground. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You've got this. Oh, wow. the mountain. oh yeah, and we're yeah. in the. I think yeah. it's 18 degrees right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're so in nothing the in Albuquerque yeah. coming up that I, okay. that I know of offhand. Of course, Red River okay. all summer long at Bobcat Pass. Again, yes. So. Yes. Yes. Okay. 
Let's do Gary, a little Colorado me? Trail and come back All and right. visit a little bit more with Mr. Sid Masters today. This is another great one that they've done. And uh, you're listening to the Campfire Cafe heard around the world at equestrianlegacy.net on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. la da 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 The Colorado Masters and the Swing Riders 
That is Colorado Trail. Well, Sid Masters, it has been so much fun visiting with you today. You are absolutely a joy to have on the show. Well, I'm glad that you asked me to do it. It's always fun to talk to you guys, talk some music, talk about the West, and just enjoy each other's company while uh, tens of thousands of people listen to us talk. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, where can people find your music and where can they find your website and social media so if they could can buy your music and follow your tour schedule and where you'll be playing? Well, my name is my website. The trick about my name, Sid, is it is spelled with a Y instead of the usual I. So right. S-Y-D. If you just remember that, you'll, you can find me anywhere. Because SidMasters.com is my website. Uh, on Facebook, I have the usual Sid Masters page. There's also a, a Sid Masters and the Swing Riders page. And you can learn more about uh, all about my music there. You can uh, go to the website. It's probably the best place to purchase music. Um, and I'm on all the usual, you know, iTunes and something spots and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> so it's 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 not too hard to find if you just type my name into it. I'm the only Sid Masters, or I was the only Sid Masters in the United States until a few years ago. Uh, there was a girl born, and they named her Sydney Masters. Oh, oh wow. And she spells it with wow. and she spells it with a Y, so there you go. <laughs> so it's, 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 if you don't type it into Google, you usually get fifteen pages of useless nonsense, but the first thing should be my website, so <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. well and and uh, again, you will be singing frying bacon in the nude uh as you go through your breakfast schedule this week if you've listened to that sh- that song. But uh, I love it. Mary Kay just cracks up every time she hears me singing that in the mornings. It's like Brian <laughs> Bacon in the mood. And it's, yep, that's it. It, that's it. it works. It was actually written it, with a Latin beat, so you can kind of get a little mm-hmm. groove on in the kitchen while you're cooking that bacon. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous, but it works. So what is the language when you sing? Uh, what is that French? What is the language that you sing yes, in, that in is the middle supposed of that to be song? French. And, oh, okay. and is, yes, is it actually um, translatable? or? <laughs> oh, no, it is. It is. I actually bring a professional linguist into the recording studio, and he wrote down so to make sure that I was saying it correctly, what I wanted to say. Uh, it's basically uh, the verse well, with a little salt and pepper. Uh-huh. All right. Well, after, after two I, years of high school French, I recognized it, but I couldn't tell a thing, you know, what you were saying. Right. So. Now, when I Great sing song. it live, it's different when we do a concert. I don't actually do that part. I, I still I explain about how I, I don't actually speak French very well, so I'm, I do something else instead, and I <laughs> I then go on to make a, a something different out of it. And um, the song actually even gets funnier in a live setting because of that. So. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. But people well, have always great. enjoyed my humor songs, so there's actually going to be two humorous, humorous songs on the new CD coming out. So. Oh, I wondered. Is there a new album coming, Sid? Yeah, it's in the works. We hope it'll be done uh, by May, so it'll be ready for my oh. summer season. Oh, Guess what, right. Bobby Bell? Guess what, yes. Bobby Bell? You'll yes. have to come back. You'll we have will to have back. to come back. All right. All right. All right. All right. So this is not such an old song we're going to close this segment out with, but how did you decide to put Big Iron on here? Because it was Marty Robbins or what? Yep. 
Marty Robbins is uh, this this he's my songwriting hero, best cowboy songwriter okay. hands down that ever lived. You want to tell us? You want to hear a guy tell a story? It's Marty Robbins. You want to hear great harmonies? It's Marty Robbins. You want to hear the guitar work in Western music? It's Marty Robbins. It's all of it. Uh, they made the best records. He wrote the best songs, and uh, I've recorded several Marty Robbins songs through the years. And uh, Big Iron is one that we often will open our shows with. And so uh, we wanted to open the uh, bonus tracks with that. And again, we just sat down and played this. Of course, we've played these songs thousands of times, so uh, we're able to do that. But, uh, yeah, getting a Marty Robbins song in on uh, almost every recording I've ever done, there's been some kind of Marty Robbins song on there. because, like, what, a, what an influence he's been to me in my career, and to all of us, I'm sure. Well, and so many people, so many people. Well, you did a great job on this. This is Big Iron. We have been visiting with Sid Masters. And, Sid, thanks again for joining us today. We'll be back. Thank you. To the town of Awabria came a stranger one fine day. Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say. No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip. But the stranger there among them wore a big iron on his head. Big iron on his head. It was early in the morning when he rode into the town. He came a-riding from the south side, slowly looking all around. He's an from each lip and he's here to do some business with a big iron on his head big iron on his head in this town there lived an outlaw by the name of Texas Red many men had tried to take him but that many men were dead he was vicious and a killer though he hit the 24 and the notches on his pistol numbered one to nineteen four. One in nineteen more. Now the stranger started talking, made it plain the folks around. He was an Arizona Ranger, wouldn't be too long in town. He was there taking out a lot back alive, or maybe dead. He said it didn't matter, he was after Texas Red. After Texas Red. Long before the story was relayed to Texas Red But the outlaw didn't worry Men that tried before were dead Twenty men had tried to take it Twenty men made a slip Twenty-one would be the ranger With the big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip Well, the morning passed so quickly It was time for them to meet it was twenty past eleven when they walked out in the street. Folks were watching from their windows, everybody held their breath. They knew this handsome ranger was about to meet his death, about to meet his death. There was forty feet between them when they stopped to make their play. And the swiftness of the ranger is still talked about today. Texas Red and I clear leather for a bullet barely ripped. And the ranger's aim was deadly with a big iron on his hip. Big iron on his hip. It was over 
in a moment And all the folks had gathered around There before them lay the body Of the outlaw on the ground Oh, he might have went on living But he made one fiddle slip When he tried to match the ranger With the big iron on his head Big iron on his head Big iron, big iron When he tried to match the ranger With a big iron on his head Big iron on his head Well, it's time now for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we're going to be talking wild horses. From a phone booth in Cheyenne, I made a promise to Diane. No more rodeos, I've gone my last go round. The same promise that I made in San Antonio and Santa Fe. But tonight I settled up and let her die. Someday Wild horses just stay wild And her heart is all I'll break Wild horses keep dragging me away She watched me drive around certain blocks Getting courage up to stop To make her one more promise that I can't keep The way I love the rodeo I guess I should let her go Before I hurt her more That she loves me Wild horses keep dragging me And I'll lose more than I'm gonna win someday Wild horses just stay wild And her heart is all I'll break Wild horses keep dragging me away Someday Wild horses 
just a while And her heart is on our way Wild horses ain't dragging me away Dragging me away Wild horses Keep dragging me away America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. I'm your host, Gary Holt, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our co-host, Bobby Bell, and that was Carlos Washington with the song Wild Horses. We're going to welcome to the show now Karen Gustin, who is the Executive Director of the Mustang Heritage Foundation. Hey, Karen. Hey, Gary. How are you doing? I am doing great. How about snow in Kentucky today. Did you get any? No, just a few little flurries that aren't making a difference. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, Sid had six inches, and we uh, we just had a little smattering down here in Nashville, and Bobby didn't get any, so uh, weather is different in all parts of the country. I'm in Albuquerque. Oh, you're in Albuquerque, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Good. Yes, that land well, of enchantment in Albuquerque. <laughs> land, land of enchantment. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, so happy that you can join us today, and you just recently have come on board with uh, the Mustang Heritage Foundation as the mm-hmm. executive director. And uh, yeah. tell us just a little bit about what you did beforehand as the executive director of the Kentucky Equine Adoption Center. Okay. So uh, I've um, lived in Kentucky for um, almost 11 years and uh, moved here and after a long career with the National Park Service and uh, was able to get the job as the executive director at the Kentucky Equine Adoption Center, which is the largest all-breed horse rescue in central Kentucky. And our mission uh, and purpose was to take in horses that were abused, abandoned, neglected, or from owners who could no longer care for them. And we provided all the veterinary care necessary for these animals, many of whom were in very poor shape. They were then put into our training program and then eventually adopted. So we weren't a sanctuary where horses lived the rest of their lives. Um, They all eventually got adopted and you know we handled probably about 200 and some horses every year in and out and we always had 50 horses on site so it was a you know fairly large operation 72 acre farm and um, we would take minis donkeys burros and horses and never got a call about a zebra but I wish I had because that would have been very cool Um, but sadly no zebra came our way uh, and oh, then, gosh. you know, I can count on one hand the number of Mustangs we got in, So, which is, you know, good for Mustangs, but they were very, very popular because there just aren't that many uh, compared to out west. So. Right, 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 right. 
Well, it, it's we're just delighted to have you as the executive director of the Mustang Heritage Foundation, and you officially came on uh, as executive director on the 18th, uh, yeah. right as the Mustang Magic was taking place in Fort Worth. So you kind of got yeah. a great introduction to the Mustangs that way, didn't you? Really good way to meet all the staff and uh, some additional board members and just see what we do and uh, met some fantastic trainers. And it was very, you know, it was a great opportunity to just kind of cut my teeth, so to say, on, you know, the ins and outs of some of the events that we host and sponsor and uh, the partners that we interact with and that thing. So I was very glad to be able to do that right away because I like to do things. And I like to get my hands dirty and my feet on the ground. So this was a great opportunity to be able to do that. Well, tell us a little bit about what you saw at Mustang Magic that impressed you so much. Okay. Well, first of all, you know, I've worked in the equine industry for a while. I have seen lots and lots of different horses, been exposed to a lot of different owners and trainers. And, you know, I think everybody would agree what gets accomplished in 90-plus days by these trainers is pretty amazing since these horses are untouched, basically, <clears throat> short of being gathered uh, when they get them. And just the level of equitation and riding and the relationship that each trainer built with their horse is very, very impressive. And obviously the horses are much better for it and very much prepared to go on to a new home, and uh, it's just amazing to me what they could get done in such a short period of time. Uh, because it take, you know, it is very labor intensive to take a totally uh, wild horse and you know and work with it like that. And you know, it's, that was the biggest thing I was impressed with. I mean, living here in Kentucky, we excuse me have access to a lot of shows, a lot of very high quality disciplines and this and uh, you know this is I kind of said it was like a mini three-day Rolex uh, Land Rover event for Mustang (laughs) (laughs) not exactly the same but you know the level of of expertise was the same I'm I'm telling you it's pretty cool now and and I'm going to just put this out there we have an extreme Mustang makeover that uh, is coming to Tennessee to Franklin, Tennessee, to the Williamson Ag Center, June the 22nd through the 24th, and mm-hmm. uh, and we've we've got uh, it's going to be an outstanding event. But if you have not had an opportunity to uh, attend an Extreme Mustang Makeover or a Mustang Magic event, uh, you need to put that on your calendar because again, what happens to these horses in 100 or 120 days? is just pretty amazing. They basically mm-hmm. are untouched untouched animals that all of a sudden are doing things that you could only dream about doing with your horse. And okay. um, it, it's, it's just pretty pretty amazing. The, the routines, the acts, the things that these horses yeah. are doing and, and the performances, but the attachment with the trainers is amazing. And then, of mm-hmm. course, all these horses go on and find great homes afterwards. And uh, mm-hmm. Mustang Heritage Foundation has a partnership with the Bureau of Land Management to accomplish these things, don't they? 
And for that Tennessee event, we have we already have 150 applications, over 150. Wow! So it's wow. getting a lot of attention and a lot of interest. Yeah, it really and, is. You know, we're, it really is. We're still, you know, we still people still have time to apply. That'll be great. Well, these wild mustangs that uh, Mustang Heritage works with. Uh, for folks that are just listening to this for the very first time, uh, there are approximately 90,000 Mustangs out on the open range, but there are approximately 50,000 that are in government holding facilities. And uh, and these horses, over the course of their lifetime, cost taxpayers about $50,000 a horse. So now I'm not really good at math, but you can multiply 50 thousand times fifty thousand dollars and you come up with a whole lot of money that it costs to keep these horses in holding and so what mustang heritage foundation does is they go in and take these horses work with them and help them to find adoptive homes and uh, uh, the number of horses that we can help place each year is pretty stinking amazing and that's Mm -hmm. done through uh the extreme Mustang makeovers, Mustang magics, and uh, and the trainers incentive programs for a large part. So, uh, Karen, are you ready to talk any at all about how a tip program works, or comfortable with that? Well, it's it's what I think is the um, the success of what MHF does is there are a variety of ways uh, that they can help facilitate the adoption of these horses, which is good because it is a national program and everybody, you know, is in a different part of the country and there is almost something for everyone who wants to get into Mustangs and wants to help these Mustangs and uh, work with the Bureau of Land Management. So just kind of the 30,000-foot altitude viewpoint is, um, on TIP is that people will will uh, go to TIP events, um, they adopt a horse, and then after they've applied through the BLM, and then they go through a 12-month, uh, for lack of a better word, a waiting period, and if uh, everything is done according to BLM's criteria during that year, BLM will uh, send them an application to transfer title to the horse. So during those first 12 months, BLM theoretically actually still, not theoretically, they actually do still own the horse. And we had a very similar setup with our adoption contracts at the Kentucky Equine Adoption Center. So, um, And then once the trainer applies, or not the trainer, once the person applies for their title, then they get a title. It's actually a piece of paper uh, from the BLM, which is actually very cool and a great memento of this whole program uh, that states they, they own the horse then. So that's kind of the general way, a general way. There are lots of different scenarios for different age groups like youth and different events, but that's kind of the gist of how people can adopt. And Bureau of Land Management has a huge wealth of information on their website and all people have to do is go to the Wild Horse and Burrow Program. And that is the division within BLM that manages this program. 
and they have representatives and state leads and coordinators scattered all across the United States. It's uh, because, like I said before, it really is a national program. So it's um, a great way to help these horses. And uh, the more supporters that we can get to help us, the more we can um, get more horses into adoptive homes. Well, that's the, that's the main thing. And uh, and I do want to go back and just touch on that tip program, the trainer incentive program. When yeah. a trainer takes in a Mustang, they teach them to uh, lead, to have their yep. feet, feet handled, to load in a trailer, and mm-hmm. uh, and I can't remember what the fourth thing is, but uh, you know if exactly. you're not used, yeah, if you're not used to handling a, a, a wild horse, then it's not totally wild when you get one from a tip trainer. So right. they've been handled, right. they've been handled, and then you can adopt those horses, and it's a it's right. a great great way for you to to be able to do that. And so uh, that and the trainer process, is uh, yeah, that whole process yeah. is called gentling. So there That's are right. those four requirements that you talked about are the gentling requirements, but then BLM will say, yes, you have satisfied those requirements. Um, and each trainer gets uh, financial compensation if, uh, and uh, for the work that they do. Well, it is, and it's actually, program. if you want to learn more about the TIP program, go to our website, mustangheritagefoundation.org and um or mustang yeah mustangheritagefoundation.org and there's a whole section on our website about the tip program all right and i i'm we're just on that quick break we're going to take a quick break we're going to take a listen to a song by mr wally gustison it's called the who's <laughs> of the horses and when we come back Bobby has already been on that website, so she's going to be talking mm-hmm. with Karen just a little bit about what she has found there as well. You're listening to Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network.
fly In the hush of the night time I hear them go by Horses of memory Thundering through Flashing white bedlocks All wet with the dew When you lay me to slumber No spot you can choose But will rain to the rhythm Of galloping shoes And under the daisies No grave be so deep For the hooves of the horses To sound in my sleep For the hooves of the horses To sound in my Gustafson, Wiley in the Wild West, that was the hooves of the horses. We're speaking with our special guest today, Karen Gustin of the Mustang Heritage Foundation. She's our new executive director and delighted to have you with us today. Karen, there's got to be so much that you're learning. You've not even in, been in position a whole month yet. <laughs> oh, no. This is like, um, I don't know, day 10 or 11. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> so there is there are a lot of moving parts to this organization, especially um, with coordination under um, you know with BLM. It's just it's a big program, lots and lots and lots of horses, as Gary mentioned. So there are a lot of a lot of moving parts, and you know a lot of horses and a lot of people that we work with. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it's I'm I mean. As anyone would expect, I'm on a learning curve, but I'm trying to absorb as much as I can, as fast as I can. And being able to go to that event last week was really good. So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. We were we were talking about the tip trainer incentive program and that's, I was on that part of the website when you and Gary were chatting and I only had one other comment. The the website is really terrific. I I'm always on the website as we prepare for a guest and um, the tip trainer program, there's a map. I don't remember if it was there before. It doesn't matter. There's a map of the country, and it's really interesting because it, mm-hmm. on that map, there are like little, you know, um, pin, pins that show you where tip trainers are working yeah. out of or call home, and they're all across the country. So if you're listening to this and you live in Florida and you think about, oh, these horses are all out in the West, um, how would I ever, you know, how would I ever participate in that? Um, That to me was really eye-opening how many tip trainers are registered, whatever the right word is, with the organization. It's fabulous. I mean, it's over uh, 430. Right. Nationwide. So that's huge. Right. Yeah, and I, of course, didn't know all that um, either. And um, you're right, the map is pretty well, they're pretty well spread out, except not a whole lot in North Dakota. <laughs> Poor North Dakota. Right, I noticed that. <laughs> Poor Minnesota. 
North Dakota. It's cold it's up really there. Cold and windy it's up cold there. up there. Yeah. yeah. But um, well, but you that's know, a good. But that's that's also a, it, an interesting. You know, if you're if you're listening to this show and you're you'd like to be involved as a trainer. Um, that's a great place to go and look and see. You know, we need you need trainers in some of these spots that don't have little pins in there yet. <laughs> there right. you go. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. There you go. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's great to see that coverage because more um, you know more horses are getting help, and uh, as I say, we're spreading the wealth. <laughs> and right, uh, anybody. You know, people all over the country have access to these animals, which is really great because, mm-hmm. I, like I mentioned before, when I worked at the Equine Adoption Center, we, I think we had two, maybe three Mustangs that came through the Adoption Center. Now, granted, those um, are horses that need uh, to come to us, but it's a testament to a certain degree of uh, the kinds of conditions that these horses don't find themselves in, which is good. And we have several tip trainers here in Kentucky that I'm going to uh, meet at some point. So, um, you know, it's it's really great to see it spread so far and wide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, um, again, I know you haven't been there for very for very long, so I don't want to throw you any kind of a curveball. Um, sure. But are, are there uh, some ways that folks can um, – participate, uh, monthly donations, or, you know, are there ways that people can get involved other than actually adopting or participating in some of these wonderful programs? Do you want to chat about that a Mm -hmm. little bit? Yeah, of course. Uh, We are a 501c3 nonprofit, um, and any type of payment, cash, check, or PayPal, uh, is accepted, of course, and we are starting uh, to actively look for people and/or organizations or businesses that want to sponsor some of our uh, upcoming events, because that is a good way for those businesses to get their information and their publicity uh, out there. And we will have different levels of sponsorship available for people to choose from and. With the numbers of people that come to these events, it's just a great venue for advertising. So sponsorships mm-hmm. are always something we're interested in uh, talking to people about. And then, of course, on our website, there's a big orange tab that says Donate. <laughs> so, yes, it's uh, right there in the that right way, hand corner. <laughs> you can mail us a check. <laughs> and we will be happy to take it. Uh, but really, the success of a nonprofit in general is the partnerships that they have with different types of supporters from different industries. It's really important to keep it diverse. So um, it's just a great way for people to get involved, but you know, they might not necessarily be able to travel to a show, or they might not be equestrians, but they still love horses and they love you know, what we do. So uh, we can always accept donations. Mhm, mhm, mhm. Um, I guess that was my only question. Um, again, this the website is just so terrific, and what wonderful photographs! Really, very much image driven right? yeah. as well. Yes, 
There is um, there is on the toolbar get involved is one of the uh, sections that's very very helpful. You can even start your own fundraising campaign. There's a good idea, or create a fundraiser mm-hmm. on Facebook. Um, yep. So there's lots of things that individuals can do. You know, the Mustang, the wild horse is a huge part of the history of this country. And so yeah. whether you actually have ever been on the back of a horse, I've only been on a horse six times, and they're really yeah. big, and um, I'm really old. And so <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I don't recognize the magic of the horse or the power of the horse or the history oh, yeah. of the yeah. horse. And so, you know, I would encourage our listeners to – Think about those things as well when you're um, thinking about supporting this organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say, too, that horses, we give a lot to horses, but they give back just as much. And mm-hmm. when Gary and I were talking about the connection that people form with these horses, it really is special. And you do not have to be, you know, a hardcore equestrian or trainer to experience that connection. Um, they're ex- Horses are extremely perceptive. Their senses are much more heightened, of course, than ours are. And I've been exposed to energy work with horses, and it's amazing how much they respond to just your presence. And they really teach people to be in the present moment. You can't be worrying Mm -hmm. about something. You have to be there with the horse because if you aren't, they're going to know that and pick up on mm-hmm. that. And your session, whatever you're doing, may not go as well as you wanted to. But something as simple as grooming a horse um, and just being with it, it gives a lot to people. And you've probably been exposed or heard about equine-assisted learning and therapy. That's mm-hmm. a lot of what that oh, is yeah. all about. And at yeah. my old organization, we did a lot of work with kids who, frankly, had never touched a horse, school kids and other adults who had never touched a horse and with the right horse and in a safe environment, you know, they can experience uh, this, that, that, those qualities that, that horses give. It's, it's very interesting to watch and very mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, as they mm-hmm. say, there's the, the outside of a horse is good for the inside of a man, and that is right. absolutely, absolutely true. Well, again, we are excited to have Karen join us uh, with Mustang Heritage Foundation. I guess I'll mention I am on the board of trustees with Mustang Heritage Foundation, so uh, we're just tickled to have her as part of the team and uh, looking forward for some great things to be happening as we move forward into 2023 and beyond in that. So, Karen, we're going to have you back. Well, we're excited to have you. And uh, and we look forward to having you back so we can talk more about some of the things that are taking place. And we'll certainly be talking more about the extreme Mustang makeover that's coming to Tennessee in just a few yep. months. So thank you for being with us. We'll talk to you very soon. Okay. Thank you, Gary. And thank you, Bobby. It was nice meeting you. Nice meeting you. Okay. All right. See ya. Well, you know what you don't want to do, Bobby, is you don't ever – sell your saddle. Right. Or at least that's what Mike Blakely says. Let's take a listen <laughs> to that and we'll be back in just a minute on Saddle Up America. <laughs>
along the country road I saw a saddle one fine morning Cowboy rig for sale The sign said tied around the horn So I stopped to look it over And a man in boots and hat Slid off of the tailgate Neath the shade tree where he sat He said I see you're in the market For a sure enough western cack Well this one here has rode the hump Off more than one bronze back I had it built in Idaho Where I learned to buckaroo Son you've no idea The wrecks the saddles pulled me through Don't ever sell your saddle, son, that's what my old Paul said And I promised him I'd keep this one until the day I was dead But through hard knocks and the coolies and troubles on the trail Now I'm down to breaking promises, my saddle is for sale Up in the badlands of Wyoming I once roped an outlaw bull But I was mounted well In straddle of this custom hull That raw hide held like steel And that tree it wouldn't crack No fancy store-bought tooling Could have held that old bull back Well I could tell more stories, son But we'd be here all day I'm sure you got things to do And I must soon be on my way I need to buy some diesel fuel to fill up my old truck. I've got to get to Santa Fe. My paws run out of luck. Don't ever sell your saddle, son. That's what my old paw said. And I promised him I'd keep this one until the day I was dead. But through hard knocks and the coolies and troubles on the trail, now I'm down to breaking promises. My saddle is for sale. I knew what it cost to drive a truck to Santa Fe And he took the cash I offered And then he was on his way And when he left I carried that old saddle on my back Into his barn and I hung it there on his own saddle rack Since cowboys won't take handouts I saw just one trail to ride To help him keep his saddle and his promise and his pride I just helped him get to Santa Fe I knew he wouldn't fail But I did not buy that saddle Cause some things just ain't for sale Don't ever sell your saddle, son That's what his old Paul said And he promised that he'd keep it Till the day that he was dead But through hard knocks and the coolies And troubles on the trail He was down to breaking promises His saddle was for sale Through hard knocks and the coolies And troubles on the trail I did not buy his saddle Cause some things just ain't for sale Mike Blakely, don't ever say your saddle And uh, Bobby, you know I did that once But then I bought it back Did you? And you bought it back I, mm-hmm. I did. I did. I couldn't stand it. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at it right now. It's uh, mm-hmm. probably going to stay with me forever, I suppose. But anyway, fun show. Fun show today. Great visiting with Sid Masters. And uh, uh, man, I love that frying bacon in the nude. I mean, I don't <laughs> love frying bacon in the nude, but I love. I love <laughs> 
I love I love the song frying bacon in there. Don't don't try that at home. Do not try that at home. <laughs> and uh, and a lot a lot of fun talking with Karen Gustin and uh, the new executive director of the Mustang Heritage Foundation. But uh, anyway. Anyway, anyway, so what's going on with Out West? What have you got going on with your radio program? And, and uh, your, yeah, your well, um, we're having a lot of fun. With the um, yeah, doing Rendezvous with the Writer together. It has to be a little bit like you and Mary Kay launching your uh, new radio show and hosting together. It's it's really a fun thing. Um, we're enjoying it very much. Our interview last week with. Robert Burke Warren on the book Cash on Cash was just so fun. That's a fabulous, a fabulous book. Um, and tonight we're speaking with Johnny Bernhard. Uh, she's published, I think this will be her fourth um, book, and the title is um, Hannah and Ariella, and we couldn't put it down. It's, um, it's about, um, like I say, have you ever made a decision that bound your fate to another's? that forever changed your lives. And that's the story behind this book. And um, so we are, well, I'll get off the air with you and we'll do our final prep for, um, for tonight. So we're having a lot of, we're really having a lot of fun with this, um, this still fairly new radio program, talking to authors, songwriters, so that, poets. That's, that's Rendezvous with a Writer. Yeah, and uh, uh, you can you can see it on Facebook, can't you? Yes, it's um, our our host um, platform is LA Talk Radio, where I did um, the Writer's Block for seven years with host Jim Christina, and we're in the same time. It's Thursday nights, every Thursday night, six p.m. Pacific time, uh, Central time would be eight p.m., and you can go to the LA Talk Radio Facebook page. And we stream live um, directly to that Facebook page. Um, and then, of course, it becomes a podcast with both audio and video links for enjoying any time at your convenience. But, yeah, we're on the air. So that's kind of a new component for us. <laughs> yeah. We used to yeah, do it on the writer's block. We did Skype, and we could all see each other so we wouldn't cut each other off. Now, we, such, can all but... see, now we can all see you. Now we now can all see you. So you can all see cool. the us, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That is yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it has been a lot of fun today, and, and we're looking forward to our guests next week. And uh, and that's going to be a fun show. Is next week, February, already? No. Uh, yeah, yes. Wait, next week it is, is Carolyn Sills, right? It is it Carolyn Sills next week? I Wait, think I have Carolyn to go Sills look at my schedule. February. I think that's February already. <laughs> oh my god. Already. It's, it's February second, I think. Yeah, Carolyn I Sills think. will be yeah. our guest. And, yeah, so and Carolyn she's Sills been nominated. Not. She's been nominated for Western Swing Artist with the America Ameripolitan Music Awards. And so we're gonna have a big time talking with her. And then Backcountry Horsemen of America will be joining us with Saddle Up America. So that will be a lot of fun. And then uh, this Saturday on uh, Live from Nashville, which is a new show that airs at noon on Saturday, and that's one where my wife, Mary Kay, joins me as the host on that. But our guest will be Bobby Marquez and the Renfries. 
And so we're going to have a lot of fun sharing their music and visiting with them. So a lot of stuff going on right now. And then, of course, always on Thursdays with the Campfire Cafe and Saddle Up America. And you can listen to all the shows at EquestrianLegacy.net live, or you can go back and listen to the podcast there or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and I think there are two or three others that, that I'm seeing that we're on. So uh, catch us anywhere. Catch us anywhere. But uh, anyway, any kind of closing thoughts today? Uh, yes, this is from Richard Wagner. Joy is not in things. It is in us. Amen to that. Amen to that. I don't think I have anything that brings me more joy than my wife does, and that's us. And I bet that's the same with you and Jim, huh? It absolutely is, yes. Absolutely is. Well, thanks for listening today. Join us again next Thursday at noon Central Standard Time for the Campfire Cafe in Saddle Up America and on Saturday at noon for Live from Nashville. And we're going to close out the show today with a great song from Miss Patty Clayton. It's called Long Gone Out West Blues. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 